Hey everyone, this is David with The Bridge Broadcast. This is the season finale. This will be episode number 22. Myself, Coach Jason, two of our Varsity Panthers. We're going to wrap up the season. We actually just started a new program calendar year. And so what we'll do is we'll take a little bit of break. We'll reset with another season, hopefully soon. New guests, maybe even some new hosts, new topics, new stories to share with everyone. We've really loved doing this the last uh, six months. It's been a lot of fun to be on here and share stories about Bridge Lacrosse, about the people within the organization. So again, the end of season one, our season finale. Hope you enjoy the episode. Okay, let's start with what it is we're doing here. All of you have done a podcast episode, right? I mean, Jason, I know you for sure have. Danielle, you've done, you did the Pixar movies or the sports movies? Yeah, no, I did the sports movies. Sports movies. And JJ, have you done one of these? No. Okay, so you're the, you're the one that's new to this. That's cool. Yep. So here's why I wanted to do the have the three of us, the four of us, excuse me, um, do the last episode is just to kind of get everyone's perspectives and kind of wrap this up, wrap up the the season, I guess, of of this podcast. And then it's also kind of helps us transition. Like we're starting a new year, it's starting a new like program and everything like that. So I figured it'd be fun to have the four of us kind of wrap up the quote unquote year. Sound all right? Good. Okay, let's do this as as always. Let's have everyone just like real quick introduce themselves, and then uh, I don't know. We'll just start throwing around some stuff. Okay. Uh, I'm JJ Woods. I'm a junior at Ermaringel. I've been playing with Bridge for five years, um, and I'm 16. Danielle. Uh, my my name is Daniela Quiroga. I'm a junior at Rangel as well. I'm 16 years old, and I'm playing with Bridge for this and be my third year. I'm coach Jason Dubweiler. I've been coaching with Bridge for going on seven years, and I'm 34 years old, soon to be 35, and not, they said their ages, I should be able to say mine too. Fine. <laughs> it's only fair. <laughs> Is that something you want to share with the world? I'm trying to hide my age now. I've embraced it. Okay, good for you. I'm I'm kind of vain like that. I I actually had forgotten how old I was about to turn this year, and my and, and my wife had to correct me. She was like, "You're not turning 35 this year. You're you're 35 currently." Yeah, I do that all the time. I yeah, completely it's... lost track of how old I am. Anyway, yeah, I think you stop forgetting be, or start forgetting because the older you get, the less cool you become. So if you forget how old you are, you can remain cool. Okay. That's not that, true, but that's what? what I tell myself. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> true, JJ. Yeah, I think, I think at some point you just start counting your age in fives. And I kind of remember doing that when I was a kid with my parents. Like it was like they were 40, then 50, then 60. And that was it. Like everything else in between was just a blur. So we just yeah. counted them off in tens, right? right. Like per the decade. So yeah, I think maybe yeah. that's what I'm doing with like a half decade at a time. Yeah. It's also because like, there's no cool milestones left. You know, right exactly like, you don't get your license you don't get to vote or anything cool like that you just you're whatever yeah. age are you so with you so with danielle and jj with you guys then with uh you so you're 16 now your benchmarks are just like every year basically is like a, a new highlight when you get to our age no one really cares oh my gosh <laughs> yeah like 16 16 you get your license like aren't you are you two in Drivers Ed, like, yeah. what's the deal? I don't think every year is, like, exciting. To me, it's not exciting. Every year feels the same to me. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. Were you not excited when you turned 16? No, I was excited when I turned um, 13 because I was like, I'm a teenager. Oh, okay. <laughs> 13 right. was the year. Right. 13 was the year? Yeah. Jeez, I, can look, I, can't remember, I, can't, I don't remember that far back. <laughs> Okay, so my question to, and anyone can grab this, my perspective is that it does kind of feel like there is some normalcy, and that's obviously a moving kind of target and very relative, but overall, like being out and about, it does kind of feel, you know, pre-COVID. Do you guys have that same kind of feeling? Yes. Um, so, what was it, Saturday night, Peyton and I, we were driving around uh, Bishop Arts, and the amount of people that were outside um, just listening to music, no masks, like everybody was together and like 
the street was packed. I was like, what is going on? It was bad. It was so bad. Yeah, that's certainly not to say that it should be normal, by the way. That is just my yeah. observation in the world is <laughs> that it feels or the, yeah, the ecosystem feels like it was six months ago or whatever. Danielle, what about you? Uh, to me, it feels the same because I don't really go anywhere. Like I've been in my house ever since we got out for spring break. Um, the only thing that I'm doing that's like me not staying in my house is um, practice, but that rarely started. Other than that, everything feels the same because I'm just at home. Okay. I'm just really like, I have really bad anxiety when it comes to like COVID. So I can't even go to like a grocery store without feeling anxious. Yeah. Well, and I don't think that's, well, I mean, anxiety is, is certainly one issue. I don't think it's bad to be cautious still. And I think that's kind of where we're all, everyone's sort of in different avenues and different lanes. Coach, what about you? Oh man, I think it's day to day for me. I think it has a little bit to do with my job. I just, I see what's coming before everybody else does a little bit from dealing with the hospitals and just seeing the patient numbers and hearing what they're saying all the time. And I really feel like I'm still in the middle of it because of my job every single day. But on the other side of it, hearing what JJ has to say and Daniela has to say, I see both sides of that too, right? Like I'm still very much hunkered down personally, just because I feel better about going about my business that way. But being out day to day and even just running errands to the grocery store and whatnot, it's clear that people are getting more comfortable with this new normal. Again, I don't know if that's necessarily the right or wrong thing at this point, but just judging by what I'm hearing with masks and you know, with the way people are going about their business, I'm feeling better about it every single day, but until there's a vaccine and you know, where there's better treatments out there, I think I'm still much more on the cautious side of this whole thing. Yeah, I would say I'm probably the same way of just being still trying to stay cautious, but also, you know, with Bridge, especially like we started practice, we did some stuff over the summer, we were at a YMCA earlier today. I think just have seen people is feels normal versus not seeing seeing maybe like people from the like the window or a couple cars on the road. Um, it definitely feels more normal just because you see your you know you're seeing people, you're not necessarily interacting with them, but like you're just aware of their presence. What are some things you guys have learned or how perspective on just your day-to-day -day changed or maybe not at all? Um, for me, I think I've just learned that anything like on a day-to-day -day basis can change because from like when I first started, I remember thinking like, oh, this only affects like older people. Like that's what they were saying. That, the, that was like the age group that was more vulnerable to it. But then my stepdad and my brother got it and I was like, okay, this is like, this can like affect anybody. So they got it randomly and then everything just changed like my perspective because I was like, you know, like a baby can get it, but a lot of people don't take it seriously. So I was just like, you know, I try to find something new to do every day because I just feel like anything could change. Like that's just what I gained out of everything. Like anything can happen, smaller, big, anything can change. I guess one thing it taught me is like always be like on your feet, be ready for change and stuff. Um, Cause everything, like everything changed. Um, I would be talking to my friends like a bunch this week and like we're here, like, you know, we're just doing this. Um, but as soon as COVID hit, it's, it felt like communication with all people kind of changed completely no matter how close you were um because you're like separated so that was kind of hard you know keeping in touch um and then also like you don't know like going to practice like we're we're wearing a mask this day we're trying to uh, be distanced all this stuff and then somebody decides to go out and party um and then we have to cancel practice completely because, you know, none of us want to get, uh, you know, sick or anything like that. So just being, being on your feet and just being ready was something that was big. Yeah. Really big. I, I want to 
hit on something you said, the communication part or just like staying in contact with, with people. That's interesting to me because you guys are also connected digitally already, even obviously pre-COVID. I can't imagine like Jason and we've established our age, obviously. <laughs> but like if had this happened when we were their age, getting a hold of people would be so difficult. The technological access we had to people was non-existent. So I'm right. trying to imagine going through COVID with the technology we had back then and basically like feeling even more isolated. And so it's interesting that you guys just still do feel isolated, even though so much of your communication is virtual or digital already. Yeah, it just felt like, like you would want to talk to them, but there's nothing to talk about. Nothing yeah. happened today. Especially in the right. beginning. Yeah, I remember some of those Zoom calls, uh, like, the, like the, <laughs> the high school practices where it was like, all right, who's got a story or something they sh to share? And it was just crickets. Um, Danielle, let me ask you this follow-up question. So you hear this a lot from adults that this time of your life, high school, college, it's the best time of your life, but it's fleeting, make the most of it, right? But it's like, I think David would agree that oftentimes, even as you hear that all the time, you take it for granted, but perhaps no generation is going to take that less for granted than you because you literally had it all taken away. So my question with that is with having had it all taken away, and you mentioned some of the ways that that's changed your attitude, but can you speak a little bit about like how has that changed your approach to lacrosse, to school? Daniela, you mentioned that you're trying to do something different every day. Can you talk a little bit about that? So, I mean, regarding school, I, I don't think to me, I know like a lot of people find it hard. The online situation isn't really difficult for me because I, I don't know, like I can teach myself things. I can teach myself like anything if I really wanted to learn it. But in the beginning, like the first week, it was hectic because like all of our teachers were kind of lost. We were lost. So we couldn't really help each other out. But once we got the hang of it, for me, it wasn't that hard. But, I mean, during the so Danielle, games, do you feel like you've thrived in this environment? Like, did you know that about yourself previously? Or is this something that's new to you? And you're like, man, this is awesome. I'm, I'm this person that I never knew about. And this is a great environment and change for me. I think it was a change. Well, I don't know. I don't think it was. I don't think I knew that because I've never been in a situation like this. But I think that's something I figured out about myself and about the way I learn. But like my approach with lacrosse is just like, I didn't do anything over the summer with bridge. I had to do everything on my own because I was so scared to be with people. But where was I going with this? Um, I don't know. I just learned that I the part about me trying to do something new every day just has to do with like, you know, something as little as finding something that I'm grateful for, whether that's like waking up to a new day or like trying something new. Like I tried learning how to um, bake, which didn't really go well, but I also, <laughs> oh my God, guys, I don't want to know about that. And then I tried. Yeah, no, yes, what, what did you, I, was, yeah, I, know, I do want to know. We want to hear about that. So yeah, we do. What did you try? It was so bad. <laughs> <laughs> what was oh, it? No, JJ piling on. Wait, know, what JJ. are you talking about? JJ tried it. My what? The bread. Oh, yeah. I tried making, okay, there's this Mexican bread called bolillo. And it was like towards, it was like right before we left school. And I had to bring it to school because it was for a project. And the bread was like rock solid. Like it was, it was so <laughs> hard. It sounded like this on the table. It was literally so hard. And then... I don't know. I think I try to journal a lot. I think the main thing I've done is like, I've tried to educate myself as much as I can on like everything that's going on in the world. So yeah, I talked a lot. Yeah. No, that's good. I didn't really, I didn't really answer the question. Oh, you did, Danielle. So quick follow-up question on the lacrosse part. You say typically all the work you're doing is when you're with Bridge or at practice or something like that, but you had to do it all on your own this summer. So again, my question to you is what changed? What's different? What did you learn about your game? What did you teach yourself over the summer? 
Um, I think this is going to be really, like, basic. But I think I learned that Waba does, like, change <gasps> your game. Shocking. <laughs> because, I mean, Coach David always told me, like, you need to do Waba, do Waba. Like, everybody told me, every coach I've had has told me to do Waba. But I was always like, no, because it's such a basic skill that, like, I have it down. I do it so often. Like, I don't need to learn how to catch and throw. And then over the summer or when quarantine started, I was just like, whenever I was bored, I would just go hit the wall or I would just, you know, do ground balls and like little stuff. So I think I've learned that I need to listen to my coaches about the basic things because so I used to, <laughs> I used to focus on the, on like learning how to do like all these tricks. And like, I would always tell Jamaya like, you can do these tricks, but I can't do them like this and this and that. But I never really focused on the little things. So I think I learned to focus on the little things and not the, like, not the, like, how do I explain this? The big things don't always matter. Like, they don't always outweigh the small things. It's the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the one thing, I want to add on to something, uh, Daniela, on the lacrosse side, I think the one thing that, too, that's changed is your level of confidence and one part of COVID that's allowed us to do is open up kind of the recruiting, the, you know, have giving you guys more access to coaches working on the game film and your game film is legit. I mean, you're, you had, you know, five minutes of awesome goals. I, I can't remember how many goals you scored in six games. And then yeah. we put that, yeah, we put that video together and you're like, Oh, I, I actually did really well. Like you're a really, really great lacrosse player. And then we started texting coaches or, you know, messaging coaches about, hey, we've got a 2022 here who you should take a look at. And because of that, you're now getting actively recruited. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's yeah. one thing that's changed is, is from COVID or within COVID is you're much more sure of your skill set. Yeah, I agree. I never thought, I mean, I was telling you when we were doing speed work together, just last year, I don't know, I told Jamari, I was like, I'm not playing in college. Like, once I graduate, that's it. Bye lacrosse. I'm not going to play. And I think a lot of it had to do with my knee injury. That's why I didn't play fall ball last year. Because I was, like, so scared of, like, going all the way through with the tear. And also, I don't know, I think I thought I had to have, like, five years of experience under my belt to be able to play at a college level but here I am. <laughs> <laughs> JJ, that's kind of, kind of to you too, is the, on the recruiting side. We've, you've had a little bit more time to work on your individual skill sets, obviously like at home and wall ball on your own and things like that and working out and running. Um, do you mind if I ask how the recruiting process for you is? I know you're pretty, I know you're pretty active. Uh, it's been hectic, like trying to text uh, the coaches at an appropriate time setting things up and then on top of school um, and then just try to make sure that you ask the right questions since you can't see them in person or go uh, go up to the school or anything like that. Um, so it's kind of stressful. It's really stressful. The amount of FaceTimes that I've had with Daniela, like complaining about it is insane, but it's cool. It's going to be worth it. Be yeah. Really worth how, it. how do you think COVID has changed how coaches get access to you and or how it's like changed like the way you see recruiting? Um, so you used to just be able to go out there um, to like a clinic or something like that and then the coaches can see you or they'll come to a, a tournament or something like that. Um, but now it's just completely about film and that's crazy. Um, you got to make sure you get some good clips, um, defending, attacking, shooting, just doing like the little things. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I feel like it's good, but it's also bad. Um, Cause you don't really know what you're getting. I think on the one side, COVID has actually helped a lot of bridge kids because it sort of levels the playing field with kids who can't travel maybe as much as other kids. And so, you know, our film, they'll look at our film with, you know, the same energy as they'll look at anyone else's film because they just can't see anyone in person. We're having really good conversations with coaches because, because they're accessed through film versus seeing them in person. But it's very strange. I, ha I mean, I don't know the recruiting landscape as well as some of your other coaches. I didn't go through the process. So it's, 
it's different for everybody. Um, and a lot of coaches are, you know, from whatever division or level, they're not always entirely sure how to, uh, you know, recruit or what the best process is. We've had some coaches say like, Hey, the film looks good, but I have to see this kid in person. Yeah. Um, or we've had some coaches say like, Hey, I like this film. Um, and I, you know, I want to hear some recommendations or, or whatever. I'm going to give this kid a call and start the process. So it's, it's different for everyone. JJ, for you, I know when I talked about school there for a minute with Daniela and talked about virtual school, you had a little bit of a different reaction than her here on the video. So <laughs> talk a little bit about how that's going for you and what maybe some of the challenges have been and how you had to adjust during all this. I hate it. I completely hate it. I cannot focus. I, it's okay. So it's like, like a TV, right? It's annoying. You're trying to focus on something else. So you mute it. And I feel like a lot of the times I do that to the teachers. I just mute them. And I can't mute them because then I'm not learning anything. But I keep doing that. So I keep missing assignments or I keep falling asleep or I keep leaving to go skate. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do. I think I might have to go back. But I also don't want to go back because, you know. Um, I want to, I want to kind of move away from COVID despite the fact, like I said, it's universal. So one of the other big things that's happened in the last six months and, and maybe as a uh, byproduct or an outcome of, of COVID is just like this huge, massive and needed racial awakening in the country. We, you know, we've had really good conversations with individuals and, you know, families. And we had, our, we had a, a little, we have a, a committee that's talking about some of the things Bridge can do and should be doing. How have you processed and how are you digesting all of these experiences that are happening around you? I don't even know what to say. Yeah, it's a <laughs> lot. Yeah, it, it is a lot. Uh, yeah, I don't mean to put you on the spot in terms of something that heavy of a topic. It, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of pieces and, and sort of aspects to inequities in our country and inequities in, um, you know, injustice and a lot of systems that we have in place. So even though a lot of the problems um, like affect people that look like me, I feel like I wasn't exposed to any of their type of stories until all of this happened. Like I was still kind of sheltered even though I was still like feeling what they were feeling and going through what they were going through, you know? So that was kind of weird. And then also like hearing different people's perspectives and then, um, I don't know. It was just a lot, a lot of knowledge to take in um, and a lot to think about. Um, for me, I think I've just acknowledged a lot of the privilege that I have because I think I'm very privileged and I'm surrounded by a lot of people who are underserved and underprivileged. You know, I go to Rangel, I play for Bridge and I think, I mean, this is what I want to do with my career. I want to be a public interest lawyer and I just try my best to learn about everything that I can. I try to read as many books as I can. I always face some Jamari, you won't believe what happened. Like this is happening right now. Like this, yep. whoever the person is made me mad. And I just, what I've learned is I need to use my voice because I have the privilege to be able to use it. So, you know, I use it with like my stepdad, for example, you know, sometimes we disagree on a lot of views that we have and I never like stand down and I'm never like, okay, I agree with you. Like I just learned to fight for people because a lot of people can't fight for themselves or they're not, you know, privileged enough to fight for themselves. And I don't know, like I've cried so many times because, you know, my best friend, Jamaria, she's black and I, I could never imagine going through what, you know, people of color go through because I feel like I'm white passing because I'm so pale, but you know, <laughs> and, and like, I didn't, my, my mom is from Mexico, but like, I didn't grow up with the struggle of having to translate things from, for her, like, you know, growing up with her, not being able to speak English because my mom did learn English. My mom didn't need a translator, but you know, my cousin, her mom, like she couldn't speak English. She doesn't speak English. And she, my cousin had to grow up like translating for her. So I think because of everything that's happening, I've just learned, Daniela, you're really privileged. You have a lot of things that a lot of people don't have. 
and you need to start acknowledging that more than you did in the past because I feel like in the past I didn't I didn't acknowledge it yeah I went on a tangent but (laughs) no you're fine Jason, what really about impressive you? for somebody that's 16 years old? I know. Daniela, that's a perspective that has taken me a lot longer to come around to in my life. And I think just like for a lot of people, this conversation has been, national conversation has been really eye-opening for me and forced me to do a lot of introspection. But JJ and Daniela, you both touched on something I was curious about or was going to ask you is it sounds like you're having a lot of conversations with your family, with your siblings, with your friends. So, you know, is that, is that a frequent conversation these days? You know, is this, and, and Daniela, to your point is like, do you find, do each of you find that you're finding a different kind of voice or, you know, a greater confidence in your voice and speaking up for yourself and your, your, like you said, your friends, your family, your siblings and other people? So, um, yes and no. Um, like, with my family, I feel like we've we've had to have these conversations a lot. Um, like, when I was little, um, I was walking down the street, and I saw an altercation with a police officer um, and a boy that seemed, like, around my age. Um, but what he was doing and what he was saying to the boy just, like, did not seem right. Um, it was completely wrong and I wanted to step in and say something but something told me like not to so then I went home later on that day and I told my dad about it and then we had to have a conversation like about police like you don't do this you don't do that Um, so I feel like we've, we've had those type of conversations but when it comes to like with my friends I've never really we've never really talked about that type of stuff Um, so we have now, um, and that's, that's really great. Um, but I also feel like I can't talk about that with certain people I associate myself with because of this movement. It's like completely two sides down. You're either totally with it or you just hate it. Um, and I realized that a lot of the people that I associate myself with hate it. Like, they don't get it, they don't support it, and they don't support me. Um, so sometimes I feel like I have to hold my tongue because, you know, I'm outnumbered or something like that. Um, but it's getting better. It's getting better. I don't know. I think a lot of people see it as a bad thing that I really don't care. If, like, it's like, for example, like, me and my stepdad bump heads a lot when it comes to stuff like this. But, like... I will never stay quiet. Like, it doesn't matter who you are. Like, if you're my family, if you're my friend, I will never, ever let you, like, you know, be racist towards, like, one of my friends or be racist towards me or say something that's racist or, you know, do something in that sense. So in my family, we only talk about it because I talk about everything. I'm always talking about, like, everything that's going on in the world, like, this happened today, this happened today, but I feel like if it wasn't because of me, we wouldn't have those conversations. And a lot of it has to do with, like, I don't know, I think my family doesn't really want to admit that they are prejudiced. (laughs) I don't want to put my family on the spot, but like, it's true. Um, You know, what's an example? Every time, when the Black Lives Matter movement, you know, got big, uh, one of my family members is like what about you know our race what about our people and I'm just like you can't compare you know one race to another and say what about us what about them and it's just that became a huge thing and like me and that family member stopped talking for like over two weeks because it was such a big deal that I was supporting another race and it was such a big deal that I believed in the Black Lives Matter movement and I think I'm proud of myself because I have like the, I don't want to say the, I mean, I guess the confidence that no matter who you are, I'm always going to speak up for it. But I also acknowledge that, you know, Jamaria, for example, with her situation where she couldn't do anything, you know, because of the police, that's something that like breaks my heart because 
I don't feel unsafe around cops. Like, I don't feel what she would feel around the cop. And I don't get nervous when there's a cop behind me, but she will. And uh, we actually hung out one time. When did we hang out? It was like two, three weeks ago. And we went to a drive-in movie theater. And <laughs> it's like in the middle of nowhere. And it was me, my cousin, Jamaria. And my cousin is like, we're going into this like middle of nowhere movie theater with a whole bunch of white people. It looks like a ghost town. And I feel perfectly normal. I feel like, okay, I've been to a drive theater, nothing happened. But my cousin and Jamaria were like, literally like terrifying. They were like, oh my gosh, the KKK is gonna come out. Something's gonna happen to us. Like we're not going to survive. And then we paid for our tickets. We go in, but they're still like really anxious. And we're parked into like in front of the screen that we're gonna watch. And this lady is like literally just passing by our car. And my cousin just screams. She's like, oh my God. And then we were all like, what happened? And she's like, I thought that lady was like somebody trying to like get into the car. And when we were there, I was just like, it's crazy how I don't have to experience those things just because I am a different color or because, you know, Jamaria's darker my cousin's darker so I don't know where I was going with this but yeah we have our conversations within my family my me and my brother talk a lot about it but you know as far as like my parents they're not really into like talking about these things I went on another tangent no you're good uh for sharing Daniela I think we all appreciate that it really it's that chariot of experiences that matters and really drives the point home and again just your perspective very much matters and is different from mine and different from david's and jj's so again thank you for sharing one thing danielle too that that stands out about what you said is just like how you talk about your own privilege and that's one thing that covid and the pat and you know everything in the last six months has showcase or spotlighted for myself as my privilege and I'm trying to and I'm you know going back to I made this reference earlier going back to like if this was my experience at your age I like I can't say I would be nearly as um, insightful or as proactive or as engaged as you are I had I grew up with a lot of privilege and I don't know if I would have used my privilege for the betterment of of anything the way you're handling it the way you're uh, digesting all this all these experiences and trying to solve problems are certainly not nothing I would have done. Um, and I, I certainly regret saying that that's the reality. I, I don't think I'd be as um, active in change as you are. Jason, what about you? I don't, I don't know if that's you and I kind of grew up in the same, a little bit of the same background. I, I'm, you know, again, this might be controversial for some folks like Dale, it just depend. And like JJ put it out, there seems to be just a, a right or a wrong or two sides of the fence here. But I don't, I think anybody who takes one look at me and spends a little time around me would realize that I'm definitionally the, you know, they might have me next to white privilege in the dictionary because I'm from an upper middle class white family. I'm a white middle-aged male, you know, like Danielle mentioned white passing, like I, I get essentially a free pass on everything simply because of who I am and my skin color. So I think my responsibility in this, like many people put it out, is to simply try to be the best ally possible and to be quiet and do a lot of listening and be an advocate and be supportive where and when I need to be. But again, I think more than anything, my responsibility in this is to be an ally, be a good listener, and take a hard look introspectively at the community and just look for opportunities where I can make a difference, whether that's through the way that I vote, whether it's local organizations that are trying to make a change, whatever it might be. So I just think it's absolutely incredibly impressive, Danielle and JJ, your perspective on this and your maturity on the subject, because just like David said, at the age of 16, thinking about who I was back then and the way that I was going about my business, I'm just not sure that I ever would have gone about it like you two have. And so I think that's really cool. And I'm really proud of both of you and all that you're doing. Thank you. Jason, 
Jason, do you remember what? Do you remember the time when it was going to be our generation that was going to change the world? It's the Zoomers. <laughs> it's 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 one hundred percent that the baton has been passed and. and yeah, no doubt. But uh, I wanted to ask you two a question. So, I had you both as a coach for a little bit for a year on JV, and Daniela, when I had you, you would really. I think it was just your second year, if I remember correctly. So you were starting from essentially scratch with the game of lacrosse and JJ, it was, I think your first foray into high school lacrosse and you were dealing with a knee injury. So I just wanted to hear, you know, Daniela, you've clearly come a really long way since then, just with your confidence and your lacrosse game, JJ, you know, you have been playing for a while, but you've managed to overcome that knee injury and now are looking at getting recruited by some big time schools. So you go, both could just take a minute and talk a little bit about your resilience and how far you've come over the past couple of years. I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit more about that story. I feel like a lot of people don't really recognize or, or think about mental health of athletes. And I feel like it's way different than like just a normal person. So when I hurt my knees, I was at a low point. That was like, I thought I was going to lose my mind. Um, but just working hard and, you know, having a bunch of conversations with Daniela and a bunch of my other friends and like just hearing them say like, I love you. Like you got this, you're going to do big. Um, that kind of helped a lot, but it was really bad. It wasn't, I wouldn't wish that on anyone. That was a very low point. Um, and it wasn't easy getting over it or anything like that. But it's worth it. You know, look at me now, getting recruited big time. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was really hard. It was really hard. But I had some good support. And if I didn't have that, who knows what I'd be doing right now. So, JJ, you spent a lot of time on the sidelines with me that season mm -hmm. because of that knee injury. So talk a little bit and, about what and, it was like. And concussion. Yeah. Oh, yes. Like same like time. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that, that was a rough year. That so, concussion was rough. With that, you spent a lot of time on the sidelines, but I'll give you some credit here is that you kept yourself involved. So talk a little bit about what it was like being a coach on the sidelines and try to stay hyped for your team. And you were a captain that year. So you couldn't just take off and – or not come to practice and not be around. You know, you you stayed committed and you stayed around. So talk a little bit more about that part. So I think that was a really big part. Um, you know, just being there every day, supporting my team and all that type of stuff. If I didn't come, I probably would have eventually quit um, or just kind of fell off from the cross. Um, but coaching kind of it made me a better person, I think. Like, being able to see the game, like, playing the game and then watching it on the sidelines is, like, two totally different things. Um, and you see a lot of things that you won't think about while playing. Um, so my understanding of the game got a lot better. And then my communication skills and learning, like, not to get mad or, like, learn how to talk to this person or how to teach this person, um, it got a lot better. And I think I became, like, a lot closer with my teammates, too. You know, I was a designated hype man. Um, yeah, it was really fun. It was fun. Daniela, what about you? You've been on quite the journey here. Like I said, I had you in your second year. And you, you had a lot of promise back then, but it was a lot of unrealized potential, right? So that was going to take a lot of work. So you've talked a little bit about that, but give us some, a little bit of the behind-the-scenes on what got you to where you are now? Okay. Um, so, okay. So my first year, I almost actually never, like I almost didn't go through with lacrosse because I, <laughs> the first day that I, I like attended a practice was like our conditioning day, like for fall. And I almost died that day, but here I am. And I almost didn't go back like the week after because I thought the lacrosse was going to be like the worst thing on this earth. And I was like, Daniela, you can't do this. Like, you are literally going to die. But then I came back and then eventually I just, I don't know. I don't know what happened that I just fell in love with the sport. And then 
that same year, it was Coach Shelby, who I think it's because of her that I truly liked the game and I truly got into the sport because she was always like, okay, you need to do this and this and that to get better. This is what you should do. And then she was like, you can always do whatever you put your mind to. And then I actually scored a goal in my first game. And I was like, wow, like, oh, my God. Like, I did not think that was going to happen. And I was actually very confused because Jamaria was, like, crying like on the field. It and I was like, why is she drought. crying? Like, and then she was crying. And I was like, did something happen? Because everybody was walking off the field. And I didn't know the game was over. But the game was over. <laughs> and then she was like, we finally beat them. We haven't beat them in, like, so long and this and this and that. And then I didn't really, like work like at home I didn't really like do wall ball or anything my first year I kind of just had lacrosse as a hobby and then my second year which was last year which I had coach Jason as a coach um I don't know I think the beginning of that year was a year where I was just like I'm gonna put my everything into lacrosse I'm gonna make it a year where I get better where I can do anything I want on the field and then I got like a um, unmotivated because I didn't win captain but then Kamari had a talk with me and she was like you don't need to be captain to be a leader you don't need to be captain to you know teach others like what you know or teach others how to be a better lacrosse player and then because of that conversation I was just like okay I'm gonna go to practice every day help others and then help myself at the same time get better this and this and that last year was really like it was an okay year, like, with my mental health. I had a lot of bad days. I don't know if I remember that, Coach Jason. But, like, I had a lot of bad days. I would go to the field kind of sad, like, all the time. But I think once I got into the rhythm of things and practice was, like, every, what was it, Tuesdays and Thursdays, um, it just helped get things off my mind, which is another reason why I think lacrosse has been, like, a huge thing in my life. And then quarantine is actually oh that year I got my knee injury which was over the summer when we did um BSL and I had a a minor tear on my ACL and PCL and then when fall came I was like I'm not gonna play lacrosse ever again like this is it this is a sign that I shouldn't be playing so then I didn't come back for um fall ball but then I had, like, issues going on at home. And then, like, everything was just too much. And then quarantine happened this year. And I think quarantine is, like, the reason why I got, like, a spark in me for some reason. I don't know. This year, you know, with school and lacrosse, it's just been the year that I got a spark. You know, in school, i just been doing really good with lacrosse. I just had more motivation. And yeah, like, I don't really know how to, I don't know what to pinpoint at to where like, this is why I just got a sudden spark of motivation. But yeah, yeah. So I'll ask you both a couple of follow-up questions and I, I want to touch on a particular subject that you both mentioned was the mental health part of it, right? That's really important and I think it's, similar to a lot of other things has moved its way into the limelight here a little bit. It's become much more, you know, less taboo and there's a lot more athletes in general talking about it and all that. So I just wanted to know if you, you either of you had any advice for anybody else out there that might be dealing with it, because again, both of you two have been really resilient and overcome a lot of these injuries or whatnot over this period of time. And, let's be honest, like that JV season that we spent together, we took a lot of L's in the beginning of the year, a lot of really tough L's. I think at one point we got shut out a couple of games in a row, but you know, by the end of the year, you girls were killing it game after game and really strong. So again, just wanted to hear your perspective, perspectives on the mental health aspect of it and what advice you might add for other people out there that's allowed you two to be so resilient. Well, I guess all I have to say is like, just try. I know it's hard and, you know, that's what a lot of people say, but just trying to do one simple thing, like getting up, 
because um, I was that was a hard thing for me. I was sleeping um, a lot. I would just sleep the day away, um, or just getting up to eat. You know, just doing simple things for yourself like that, um, and then the rest would just follow after you. You know, you complete that first step, and then also don't try to bottle bottle it up. I cannot talk. <laughs> bottle it up. Um, Cause then eventually like you'll get overwhelmed um, or a breaking point will happen and then you just break down and you don't want that. So, you know, talk about it, write it out, do something, but you just can't, you can't hold it in. Um, so yeah, do those two things and hopefully you can get better. Um, something that helped me a lot, which it might not help everybody, but I, I used to like save 30 minutes before I went to bed where I wouldn't get on my phone I wouldn't get I wouldn't look at a screen basically and then I would write about my day no matter if it was a bad day or a good day I wrote about it every before I went to bed and then I went to bed and then in the morning I actually my therapist told me one time to like look at yourself in the mirror and say three positive things about yourself and then I would do that all the time every morning some mornings I would wake up and be like, there's nothing positive about me, but you have to just try. And anybody listening that has, you know, mental health problems or is dealing with something, it, I promise you it gets better. I promise you there's a light at the end of the tunnel. I promise you somebody out here loves you. I love you, whoever's listening. <laughs> because, like, even those words, like, you know, I always tell Jamaria. I love you no matter what. I'm always going to be here no matter what. And just saying that to somebody makes like a really big impact on their life. That, one thing that's definitely helped me too is just like, if you can and you have that sort of strength and that push is to always ask for help. Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be like in this direct, you know, hey, I'm having some uh, mental health issues. It like doesn't have to be like a lot of times it can just be like, hey, can you, do you have time to like hang out? Or do you have time like for a phone call or like, do you have time to like go play video games or shoot around or th play wall ball? In a lot of ways, like this podcast has been kind of helping me stay mentally fit. Those are, those are things that have helped me for sure. Of just like kind of keeping, you know, keeping my, keeping engaged with the people that, uh, that are around me. Jason, what about you? What are you doing to stay mentally fit, mentally healthy? I mean, again, I just, I go back to the first podcast. I don't know that necessarily <laughs> is a lot changed for me since this whole thing got started I think the part that's been difficult for me and JJ and Daniela touched on it and even you did and we talk about this because we're used to interacting quite a bit is I just I miss those small interactions that perhaps I was quick to discount previously you know like if you think about your typical bridge practice yeah I'm interacting with all the kids that I'm coaching on the team but you just don't realize how many of the parents the other kids the other coaches and people like that, that you're just having these short, simple conversations with, but they really start to add it up over the course of a day and over the course of a week and everything like that. And that's what I've really missed over this period of time. So I think as we talk about things going back to a new normal a little bit, you know, I'll use the example of me and you finally meeting up for coffee after probably what, five months, although fairly common occurrence pre-COVID. So I think Again, I'll go back to my job. It's kept me, being in healthcare has kept me really busy throughout this period of time. So I think I've had a distraction or a, a very busy distraction here that's perhaps papered over some of what's been missing from my life for this period of time. But you know, I'm happy to see some of those things start to come back here recently because again, you just don't realize how much you miss it until you just don't have it in your life anymore i want to ask one more question because it's getting kind of late and uh this podcast could go on very easily forever between the four of us we've obviously hit on like a lot of heavy stuff and because this is the season finale if you will let's like end on maybe something like that you know is a little bit more um has a little bit more like joy to it so so what are you guys looking forward to and especially jj and Daniela, as, as like you're hitting your, you're at the halfway mark of your high school careers what is what's this next year have for you what are you looking forward to Actually, I'm looking forward to debate. Um, Daniela convinced me to uh, join debate team. So nice. pretty excited about that. 
Um, and then just getting out more and traveling full across. Yeah, you've got Denver this weekend, right? Mm-hmm. Cool. That's awesome. Um, Don't get it, Corona. <laughs> where, Ooh, where am I? I should take over the bridge Instagram. All right, 100%. I will give you the, the, the Instagram uh, password. Bet. That'll be cool. That's a great idea. We're going to put a pause on the podcast season or podcast episodes. We'll come back with like a season two. What are some topics that we need? Like, what are some ideas and topics and things we should hit on it? Cause I don't want a whole other season to be just like COVID related stuff or COVID derived stuff. What are some other topics or things we should do for podcasts, future episodes, future season? We should do I something. Can't think like, of anything fun. Wait, like, say that again. <laughs> Oh, I can't think of anything fun. Like, I can only really think about serious topics right now. Okay, that's fair. I mean, serious topics, they don't have to be just fun topics. I mean, we could just, they can be everything. We've talked a lot, I mean, we've talked a lot of, of, even this season, we've talked about some pretty heavy stuff. And then some, you know, we had the, we had Coach Byron and Coach Eric argue with Kevon and Kylan over who was better, MJ or LeBron for like five hours. (laughs) I I assure you that was not a heavy topic. (laughs) Jason, what are some other things we should we should hit on in, in season two? What most of the mind that's not even necessarily so much like JJ said about some of that serious subject matter. I always get a kick out of listening to y'all talk about the other stuff going on in your life. Listening to you talk about your siblings, talk about your family, talk about your food blog, Instagram that you got going on on the side. I think what I always come away so impressed with 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 the kids in bridge is just how well-rounded all of you are and is how much you have going on outside of bridge and how much that contributes to the bridge culture and how much just personality and fun and everything that you bring to the table and it's just interesting to see where that all comes from and i i again just can't get enough of that and get a get a kick out of hearing about everything else that you got going on i, I think it's super cool to hear about you two hanging out outside of lacrosse and what you two are doing when you're hanging out and all that stuff. So more of that. Um, I think we've, you've like done something like this, but it's not like in podcast form, um, like bridge autobiographies. Okay. Well, we'll, um, we'll think it. Oh, go ahead. One more thing. Um, I was thinking maybe we should get some people like outside of bridge, like, maybe one girl from Hockaday and like, you know, talk about uh, the differences or maybe not. That, no, that's a good idea. I don't, I think that's a good <laughs> idea. Actually, you know, it's, it's funny you mentioned that I, I had, when we were talking about our listen and learn and having more of these open forums, especially around racial justice, there were definitely, some people brought up some names of people that they thought would be really valuable and having in the conversation and people sort of outside the traditional bridge family, um, you know, not, coaches or, or current players or alum so yeah i think there's i think there's some there's that's definitely that's definitely worth exploring um for future episodes so thank you guys for doing this it's really good chatting with you all catching up um yeah danielle jj it was really good to see you guys yesterday at practice we're sort of back